defining and understanding faith as fundamental to living by faith. Let us pray. Father, this hymn that we have just sung brings up so many aspects of living by faith. And we live by faith because you, the object of our faith, are true and faithful and good. You have redeemed us. May we ever press into you by faith. May we ever keep laying hold of those promises. And so today, Lord, as we begin studying this chapter on faith, teach us and convince us even more of the nature of faith, the blessing of faith. Help us see the example of faith in the pages of and words of this chapter and in the pages of your inspired scriptures. Bless us today. Lord, may I preach by faith, that is, preach wholly dependent upon you. Lord, may we hear by faith. May we hear the word wholly resting and trusting in you and expecting the Holy Spirit to supply the very word of God to our hearts and change us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you would take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews, we'll be looking at chapter 11, and we'll read through verses 1 through 7. I've given you a dispensation of verses that we'll come to next week, but today we'll look at the first seven verses. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of God of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, though or through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Thus ends the reading of the word of God. You may be seated. If I were to ask you to please turn to the love chapter, where would you turn? Where's the love chapter in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 13. If I were to ask you to turn to the faith chapter in the Bible, where would you turn? I hope you return to the chapter you already have open, Hebrews chapter 11. Previously in the passage just before chapter 11, verses 10, 19 through 39, the, the author explored faith, but he, but he called the people to whom he was writing, the believers of his day, his 
his congregation, we might say, to persevere in faith. And now, in this faith chapter, he wrote about what faith is. He defines faith. Faith is, and then he illustrates genuine faith in the lives of 16 Old Testament saints. And today, we'll just look at three of those illustrations of faith. In this first message in Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, we will define faith, we will reflect on a dynamic of faith, and we will consider the descriptions or illustrations of faith in the lives of three Old Testament saints. You'll find a sermon outline in your bulletin. So first, the, the definition of faith. Look at verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Now faith is the conviction of things not seen. My insurance policies have a section that is entitled something like this, Terms and Definitions. While this section can be unbelievably confusing, often containing very fine print, it is extremely important to understanding my coverage. Well, no less the definition of faith given in chapter 11 and verse 1. It's not confusing like the insurance policy. I think it's clear. And it's extremely important to understand as we seek to live by faith as the people of God. And the Christian life is a life of faith. I mean, how necessary is it for us to have a good understanding of the definition of faith? And look at verse 1. This definition should not be taken as an exhaustive definition covering every dimension of faith. It doesn't. But it does accomplish the author's intent to ground our understanding of faith in, in the foundational principles that faith is assurance and conviction, that faith is a rational faith rather than a faith that is irrational, a faith that is wishful thinking or a faith that is a blind leap into the abyss. The definition points to a rational faith, assurance and confidence. And so we begin with this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So we have a Greek word here that we'll look at. This hypostasis is in verse 1. In the ESV, it's, it's translated assurance. And if you have an NIV, it's translated confidence. And if you have a King James Version, it's translated substance. As we look back to the first chapter of Hebrews, we've actually come across this word before. It's in verse 3 of chapter 1. And the word is used in an objective sense when it refers to Jesus' divine nature or essence being described, and this is how chapter 1 and verse 3 puts it, that Jesus is the, the exact imprint, the exact hypostasis of his nature, that is the divine nature. In other words, it's pointing to Jesus' divinity, that he is of the same essence as the Father. 
Faith, writes one commentator, is something promised and therefore hoped for as something real and solid, though as yet unseen. And so this objective use of this Greek word is pointing to the fact that we believe in something that is real and substantive. It's not wishful thinking. It's not a blind leap into the darkness. For example, by faith, I laid hold of, or I claim today, possessing the promise of God that says, if I put my faith and trust in Jesus, that he has promised me eternal life. And so I hold on to that real solid and promise with substance, though yet it is unseen, and though yet it has not been given in full, though I still possess it by faith today. By faith, I'm able to say, I've, I've been given the gift of eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet the fulfillment of that is off in the future. So that's the objective sense that faith is used. Our, our faith is in something real. The promises of God. And God has proven faithful, hasn't he? Well, we've been singing about this all morning, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> and what a thing to sing about. The faithfulness of God. Well, there is another use of this Greek word hypostasis. It's subjective use. It's found, again, in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 14, where there are believers are said to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence, our original hypostasis firm to the end. So, there, so therefore, faith is having a confident attitude an attitude of assurance in the things hoped for in Scripture. Why are we assured? Because God has promised them. And God has said, I cannot lie. God is faithful and true. He's been proven faithful and true in the past. He's, been, he's being proved faithful and true today. He will be faithful and true in the future. God never changes. His nature is faithfulness. And we're going to have a- absolute confidence in him a simple definition of faith is taking god at his word and living accordingly with confidence and assurance that god will do what god has promised namely in the example i just used fulfill that promise of eternal life one day as he ushers me and as he ushers all who are in the Lord Jesus Christ into heaven where we live eternally with him. In the Hellenistic culture in which Jesus and the apostles lived, in which this writer of Hebrews wrote the Hellenistic and the, the Roman cultures, there, there, was a, there was an instrument that was used to, to guarantee ownership of something. It was called a title deed. 
and in a very real sense, faith is like that title deed, that, that guarantee. One author said that by faith, we take possession by anticipation of the heavenly blessings. I love that. Those heavenly blessings are real and tangible, substantive to me today, not because I can see them, but, but through that, quote, organ that instrument of faith. And the definition of faith continues in in verse 1. The conviction of things not seen. And we should take that word, another Greek word, conviction, but it means roughly the same as what we've been talking about with regards to assurance. In fact, F.F. Bruce wrote, physical eyesight produces conviction or evidence of visible things. I see you, and that's evidence that you are here today. And by the way, I'm checking your names off my list up here. Faith is the organ which enables people to see the invisible order. Things that the physical eye cannot see. Apprehension of the unseen, apprehension of those things yet to be seen, yet to be fulfilled, but are really ours today by faith. So here's a great, I would say, rather full definition of faith that Philip Hughes has written or at least this definition is based on his exegesis of verse 1 of chapter 11. Hugh says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for yet not seen. It is the foundation upon which they are brought into being. It is the confident attitude toward those things God has promised. And it is the guarantee that gives us a sure possession of them even now. Faith is a guarantee of those things promised, yet unseen, are truly our possessions. And so what does faith look like? Look at verse 3. So those who hold to macroevolution or those who hold to theistic evolution, that is to say that God just simply superintended the evolutionary process, do not need faith. In fact, they discount faith. In fact, they would say faith is wishful thinking. They would say faith is a leap into the abyss. They don't need faith because they teach the visible world came from visible, preexistent, matter, the visible from the visible. Now, I know some people say that it takes more faith to believe in this spontaneous generation of the world, but I, more and more, I'm not buying into that. Faith doesn't even enter into the equation. But this is what faith is. Faith is the assurance and confidence, the assurance and the conviction the assurance and proof of things not seen. By faith, the writer says, we understand that the visible, that is all that exists, 
did not exist. There was nothingness. But all that exists came into existence as God spoke it into existence. He spoke into a void. He spoke where there was nothing. And all that exists came about by the word of his power. This ex nihilo, out of nothing, God created by the word of his power. And as we are constantly running up against secular theologies that would discount faith and that would even speak derision upon those who would hold to creation or intelligent design and call us weak and needing a crutch and on and on and on, let it all go by. Let it all roll off your back like water off a duck's back. You're not speaking in terms of faith. We speak in terms of faith. We take God at his word. And why do we do that? Because of verse 2. Getting the definition of faith right is really important. (laughs) Because, listen, God commends genuine faith, verse 2. The Old Testament saints listed in chapter 11, all 16 of them, let me tell you, they were a mess. They failed in ways. They were not perfect. And the Bible is pretty clear about their imperfections, their sin. Even our father Abraham, even Moses. But God commended them. God commended them and permanently etched their names in his inspired word. We think of the hall of fames that we have all around the country, a hall of fame of this and hall of fame of that, and you've got the names and people are inducted. Well, God inducted these 60 into his hall of faith, and their names are there forever as examples, as illustrations of genuine faith. Yes, they were failures, but God commended them. And like them, we are messes. We have failures. But we will receive God's favor, His commendation for possessing and exercising genuine faith. Though our names will not appear in Hebrews chapter 11, I can guarantee that. But in a sense, we follow in their example. We we follow in their train, so to speak. What an encouraging thing that is. Of God commending his saints for possessing and exercising genuine faith. We have it right here in Holy Scripture. And by faith, we're part of that hall of faith. Secondly, the dynamics of faith. Faith as an instrument, by faith. We see by faith in verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, verse 7, 
This morning, I made coffee. Yesterday, I roasted coffee. I took my roaster plug and plugged it into the wall and turned my coffee roaster on and roasted a new coffee for me. It's from India. It's a new variety, and it's wonderful. I had it this morning. Speaking of this morning, I took the coffee that I roasted yesterday after plugging in my roaster, and I plugged in my grinder. And I ground my coffee beans, uh, 66 grams for eight cups, in case you're wondering. And (coughs) then I plugged in my coffee-making machine, my programmable coffee-making machine. And it made my coffee. I plugged in my roaster, I plugged in my grinder, I plugged in my coffee machine, and I had coffee. And you're benefiting from me having coffee, because if I did not have coffee, I would not be in a very good mood preaching this morning. And why am I telling you this? You know I love coffee. I don't need to tell you that. But I, but I do need to remind you of the cord. Without that cord connecting the roaster, the grinder, the coffee-making machine to the power source in the wall, I would not have had any coffee. Neither would you. Now, every analogy that is outside of Scripture, Scripture has analogies, and they're perfect. (laughs) My analogies aren't. So just understand, this is not a perfect analogy. But this is my analogy And I would like to suggest to you that faith is like those cords that are plugged into the outlet that serve as a conduit through that electrical power. Now, I feel like I'm on shaky ground because I have the world's greatest electrician in looking down at me. He's running our sound. (laughs) But I think I got this right, that the cord transmits it's a conduit for that that juice that power the electrical current to flow that allows the machine the roaster the grinder to work and faith is that instrument through which the power of God the grace of God all that God has for us in Christ Jesus flows and we receive it through that that instrument of faith well I believe this is supported in the text at least this analogy can have some traction from the text in that. If you look at this by faith phrase, another Greek word for faith, pistis there, and its its construction is very particular in the New Testament. When by faith appears, speaking with saving faith of salvation, it never means because of faith. It always means through or through the means of faith. Do you see the difference? Faith is the instrument or conduit or means through which we receive all that God has for us. So let's think of the alternative. Let's just say that I'm wrong. And let's just say the New Testament's wrong. It's not. But let's just say it really did say that that faith is because I believe. Where would we be if If faith is to be understood as not an instrument, not a conduit, not a means through which we receive all that God has for us, but but where would we be if, if the truth was we have to believe and then 
that gets God to respond to us, where would we be? We'd be in a mess. That means I've got to conjure up enough faith in hopes that God will say, that's enough faith, and I'll respond to that, in order for me to be saved. I've got to conjure up faith to be saved. I've got to conjure up enough faith for God to respond in love to me. I've got to conjure up enough faith for God to say, okay, I'll give you eternal life. If faith is because, that means it's all about me. It's about my ability, my power, my work, my achievements to do enough for God to say, okay, <laughs> I'll, 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 I will save you. I mean, it, because makes God beholding <laughs> to, to us. If all I receive from God is because I believe, and he responds, I, I just have no hope. I would have, I mean, faith would not be assurance and confidence in God. Faith would be wishful thinking. Faith would be a leap into the abyss. In fact, if, if indeed the Bible taught that faith is because I believe, or because Abel believed, or because Enoch believed, or because Noah believed, and you go on down the line, there'd be no chapter 11 of Hebrews. There'd be no hall of faith, unless the only name that appeared was Jesus. He's the only one that would have the ability the perfect ability. You see what I'm getting at? That, that little phrase, by faith, is unbelievably important. It means everything to us. Therefore, faith must be a gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are saved for good works through the gift of faith. God enables us to do those good works that he has prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. You see how it works? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Our confession in, in Westminster, Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 11, it's the chapter on justification, speaks of faith as the alone instrument of justification. It speaks of justification or faith as a gift. And by the way, take your hymnal, turn to page 855, and there you have chapter 11 of our confession if you're interested. But I'll just read just a couple of lines from that section of the confession. Those whom God effectually calleth, he also freely justifieth. And there's a lot, and then he says, by faith. <laughs> Which faith they have not of themselves, it is the gift of God. Faith thus receiving and resting on Christ and his righteousness is the alone instrument of justification. So you see, the reason we are justified is not because I believe, it's because through
through the gift of faith, I receive the declaration justified that is on the merits of Christ's atoning work. In the passage that, that Bill read from Genesis 15, in verse 6, Abraham and he, that is Abraham, believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. He believed faith, counted, imputed. In other words, there in, in Genesis 15, 6, the first reference to the doctrine of imputation through the instrument of faith for one's justification. The first reference in the Bible. So this is not merely a New Testament principle. It is a biblical truth, old and new. So we have this hall of faith in chapter 11 because God has given the gift of faith, this instrument that he uses to pour out all he has for us, this instrument through which we receive all that God has for us. He gave this gift to the 16 heroes of faith in chapter 11, and through that faith enabled them to do good works that he had ordained. He does the same for you and me. The dynamic of faith is that it is an instrument given by God through which we receive all he has for us in Christ. It's plugging in to the power source and letting that power flow from heaven to our hearts. You're struggling with faith today, brother, sister? You're not plugging in. You may be operating on the because I believe scheme, which will get you nowhere. Turn from that. See faith as a gift. Understand it's God's instrument. And as you appropriate that faith, in a sense, plug into that power source, God has promised to pour out his power through that conduit like you've never seen before. By faith. And then lastly, the description of faith in the lives of those living by faith. You know, we're, we're encouraged with, with stories of, of faith. One of my all-time favorite stories is beautifully depicted in, in, in the movie Chariots of Fire. Many of you have seen it. It's the story of the 1924 Summer Olympic gold medalist in the 400-meter that was not run on Sunday, but was run on a weekday. Eric Little, Olympic champion and missionary. He was actually scheduled to run on a, in a race that was his uh, best event, but it was scheduled for Sunday. And by faith, he said, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm sure people thought, and, and, and I actually think the, the uh, movie depicts this fairly well. If, <clears throat> if you thought people looked at Noah kind of like, he's a nut build, <laughs> building this ark out in the middle of nowhere with probably no water in sight. Uh, think of the Olympic Committee and all those in 1924 who looked at Eric Little and said, you are a nut. No, he was faithful. He was living by faith. 
He took God at his word. And he ordered his life accordingly. I mean, that, that faith, I've actually seen the beach on, on which the movie had him running, you know, at the, at the opening. Maybe a couple of us actually ran on that beach. I can't remember. Did we, Deborah? <laughs> but it's a great story. It's, it is inspiring, isn't it? If you haven't seen it, do use whatever streaming device you've got and try to find it, look at it. But these faith stories, like Eric Little's, but even more, these, these faith stories in inspired scripture, Abel and Enoch and Noah, are equally inspiring and instructive for us today. And I'm just going to briefly mention these, and then we'll be done. By faith, through the means of the gift of faith, in verse 4, Abel's sacrifice, his worship was accepted, and he was commended as righteous, and notice what it says, through faith, through the instrument of faith. The reason Cain's sacrifice wasn't accepted, and Abel's was, I believe, is a matter of faith. Genuine faith. And the lesson for you and me today is we are to worship by faith. Acceptable worship is by faith. And have we come to worship this morning by faith? And will we come next week by faith? Will we live this week before God as an act of worship by faith? By faith, that is through faith, Enoch was commended for pleasing God. By faith, he drew near to God. By faith, he walked in fellowship with God. By faith, he was taken up without dying <laughs> to, be, to be with God. We walk in relationship with God. We live before God by faith. And the text in verse 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. The way of our living in fellowship with God is by faith. We must come dependent on God to give us all we need to worship by faith. We must live each and every day dependent upon God to give us all we need to live as his people by faith. And then by faith, through faith, Noah obeyed God. And, and, and the text uh, tells us that Noah obeyed God in uh, reverent fear, and he heeded the warning that God had set before him. Th this warning was in light of events yet unseen, and in light of that warning, the text tells us that he constructed an ark when the physical eye would say there's absolutely no reason to build this big ark. What a ridiculous endeavor this was in the eyes of sinful man. It was utterly foolish. 
but through faith he was commended as righteous. His obedient faith was contrasted to the rebellion of all the men around him, all but about eight in total. And in that sense, Noah condemned the world. His, his, by faith he lived, shone brightly in the midst of mankind being in total rebellion against God. And through faith, Noah was empowered to obey, even though there was no reason that was that was visible to build that ark. There was a warning based on an unseen reality, but Noah, with assurance and confidence, took God at his word and ordered his life accordingly, and he built the ark through faith. We need to do the same to see our absolute dependence upon God to empower us to obey, especially when there's no visible reason or when the world is chiding us and calling us foolish and calling us needy Christians. Faith is a crutch you need. All of that derisive language. We're called to live by faith, to take God at his word, and to order our lives accordingly. And as we do, we'll find that, that through the gift of faith, God is enabling us to do those good works. It may not be building an ark, probably won't be building an ark, by the way, but it'll be something else that God has, has ordained, that God has prepared beforehand, that, that he has called us to do all matter of good works. And he will enable us to do them. May the stories of Abel, Enoch, and Noah inspire us to worship by faith, to live every day in every aspect of our life by faith, and to obey God when obedience is a challenge but that we would obey God by faith and in so doing know that we will receive his commendation, his favor for possessing and exercising genuine faith. Eric Little ran by faith. And what that looked like to Eric Little was that he obeyed God even when he was pressured not to obey God and run on Sunday. He obeyed God and would not run on Sunday. That's what faith looks like. Obeying God. Period. But he was able to run another event on another day and he was victorious winning the gold and, and one of the most encouraging lines in the, the whole movie the whole story for me is this Eric Little said when I run I feel God's pleasure 
when we possess faith and exercise it, we feel God's pleasure. We receive his commendation. Dear one, be encouraged today to live by faith. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the Hall of Faith chapter in the Bible. We pray, Father, that you would help us see even more what faith is. Lord, help us to understand more deeply these beautiful illustrations of faith, knowing that these are imperfect people, but yet, Father, what shines is your gracious work of the gift of faith in their lives and how that operated and how it can be such an inspiration for us today. And I pray, Father, that we would leave this place being reminded of faith, what it is, understanding it as an instrument and a gift and that we'd be inspired by these examples of faith, just the three that we have considered this morning, and that we might feel your pleasure as we live by faith this coming week. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.